Well, there on page 12, we turn today to Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which is question and answer 6 through 8. Let's read this together responsively. Did God create man so wicked and perverse? No, God created man good and in his own image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might truly know God his creator, love him with all his heart, and live with God in eternal happiness for his praise and glory. Then where does man's corrupt nature come from? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in sin. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? Yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his help now. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we are sinners conceived and born in sin, unable of ourselves to do any good. But we do repent of our sins and seek your grace to help us in our remaining weaknesses. Through the teaching of your word, which we confess with the church throughout the ages, satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst with your refreshing truth, that we with all our hearts may love and serve you with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one and only true God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The second verse in the entire Bible tells us that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. What was the Holy Spirit doing there at the very beginning moments of creation? What was He up to there hovering over the face of the deep? One of the great writers of the Reformation answers that question this way. He says, The Spirit was at work Cherishing the confused mass. Cherishing the confused mass. In the work of creation, God both created and He organized. He made things from nothing and then He gave to those things form and structure. It was a confused mass at first, but it became beautiful and orderly through the Holy Spirit who cherished it. And loved what God had made. The world and all humanity. That includes your nature as human beings. All of it was good. Before sin came into the world. And it is only by seeing how wonderful and cherished. The created world is. That we can rightly see how very low we have fallen in comparison. And how desperately we need this same spirit to recover us and all creation along with it. And so tonight we're going to give our attention to these high and exalted topics which hopefully will elevate our view of creation. Help us to walk in it a little more thankfully 
and with the more generosity of spirit toward God for what he has made. First, by looking at the goodness of creation, the goodness of creation. Last week, we learned, and we've heard it again tonight in our catechism reading, that we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. That, that is our natural bent. No matter how, we, how much we do not like that message, it is true. And I think that we are actually able to see that relatively simply in the world. Um, I've probably said this before from the pulpit, but I will say it again. You don't have to teach children to be bad. You know, now, maybe particular forms of badness, you would have to teach them. But you actually have to press against what is actually naturally there in them. You have to press against it with teaching of virtue and telling them about the grace of God. You know, I think if, if we're honest, nobody can deny that. Um, little babies are very cute and innocent, but they, ha- they do have a will that is developing. And it is naturally inclined toward wanting things just for themselves. And if that is not checked, then it just continues on in that direction. And so it is indeed true that we have a bent toward hating God and our neighbor. neighbor, And that means that we have a sin nature. Now, question six in the catechism asks a very important follow-up question. If that's true, that we're inclined with that kind of hatred, then question six now says, did God create man so wicked and perverse? You know, if that's the case, then what are we doing? What, what are we doing uh, feeling bad about hating God and hating neighbor? If he created us in that state, then there's no way out of it. Uh, we, we, we were created that way. In other words, is it God's fault? Is your sin and all the suffering that comes from it and all the misery that is found in the world that we say comes from sin, is all of that just, at the end of the day, God's fault. No, the answer says, God created man good and in his own image. God created man good and in his own image. First chapter of the Bible here in Genesis 1 that we've read a little bit from, it repeats a key phrase throughout the days of creation. God saw what he had made and it was good. Over and over, with this beautiful repetition throughout that first chapter. He made this, and it was good. He made that, and it was good. And he has even topped off this wonderful refrain in Genesis 1, in the passage that we read from. He capped it off with the creation of humankind. He creates human beings. He blesses them with his image. He gives them rule and dominion, a benevolent dominion over his creation. And at the end of it all, as we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. What God made, God loved. As the Holy Spirit, even before he brought order and and, uh, and structure to it, to that confused mass. He was already cherishing it, knowing what was to come out of it. God did not infuse this world with misery. That, that, did, that did not come from God. He created it to be filled with beauty and have His glory reflected throughout it so that all who live in it through Adam and Eve and all that would come from them 
would truly know God, their creator, and love him with all their heart and live with God in eternal happiness for his praise and glory. What we now conceive of as the new heavens and new earth, what we are longing for, that's what creation was beginning to be and was supposed to become. God made it so that the paradise of Eden was to spread to fill the whole earth. That's why he gave them that mandate. Fill the earth and subdue it. Not abuse it. Subdue it. So that the dominion of God and the glory of God spreads throughout this created world. So that Eden becomes the natural state of things everywhere over the face of the earth. From God came a good creation. And though sin has still come into the world and wrecked it, Creation is still good. Creation is still good. At that core level, it is still good. We do, it, is, it is not the biblical faith that says that created things or, or matter is evil. And it's only spiritual things that are good. We wholeheartedly reject that. And we believe that what God has made in this material world, when it is used rightly, when it is used with thankful hearts, is wonderful indeed. Now, this means several things that I think are prevalent for us to hear and to understand in our day and age. It means that human bodies are good. Human bodies are good. God created us to reflect His glory. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 139 that we have been wonderfully made. Scripture would not say that about you if you did not reflect the glory of God simply by existing, because God made you. And he has made us in his image as both male and female. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, Genesis 1 says. Kids, you especially need to know that God made you as you are. He made you as you are. With the bodies that you have as boys and girls, And that is very good. It is very good. Do not be ashamed of the body that God has given you. And parents, help them over time to believe that and to embrace it. Uh, Speak about it relatively frequently with your kids if, if there are good and open doors to do such a thing. Human souls are also good. Not just the body, but the soul. The soul is one way that the Bible speaks about the inner self where we have our thoughts and our desires and our feelings. And this soul has also come from God. It's a creation of God. He made it. Your soul did not eternally exist with God. We reject that as well. It was created specially for you to be united to your body that God made specially for you. We read in the, in the next chapter of Genesis, in chapter 2, verse 7, that God took the man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his lungs the breath of life, which we take to signify the, the endowing of the soul. We are dust and breath. We are body and soul. Those are the, those are the things that constitute you. That's why our catechism opens the way that it does. I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior. 
Those things belong to the Lord Jesus Christ because they're good. And he wants them restored. He wants them to be restored. The body and the soul have both come from God, made lovingly by God, spoken into existence by the word of God, formed by the Holy Spirit of God into a beautiful and very wise display of the glory of God. Anything in this world that is not good is not from God. It did not originate from Him. It has come from a different source altogether. Not from God. And we still see in this world that is so darkened by sin and filled with suffering, we still see and enjoy God's good design. Sin has come into the world like a parasite. And that's actually kind of important for us to grasp. Sin is not this like other thing independent of good godly things. No, we have good godly things that God has created and sin attaches itself to those good and godly things and twists them and wrecks them. And the things that God has made for his glory and for our enjoyment, sin now takes them and makes them into unrighteous things or or attempts us to use them for unrighteous purposes. And so we end up with a good creation and in our good bodies, we end up doing what Paul describes in Romans chapter 6 as presenting our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. Instruments of unrighteousness. Not because that is the design of them at all. It's not. That's, uh, that's an aberration on the good design of God. But because sin has now come into the world and attached itself to us, body and soul. And we use these good created things to do wicked things. Our souls, so wonderful mysterious, and mysterious, are now filled not with just godly thoughts and emotions, but with rage and impurity and unrighteousness. God made humankind good, but we have fallen terribly. We have fallen terribly from a very high and exalted state that God created us in at the beginning. That sin did not come from God. Creation is good. Secondly, secondly, we consider tonight the glory of God. We've learned that God created us good in the beginning. Now what does it mean for us to have been made in His image? What does it mean to be made in his image? Well, it means many things. It means many things. That's a really rich topic in Scripture. But the most important thing that we need to take away from this is that we were made for God's glory. To be made in the image of God is to be oriented toward him so that what we do with this created thing he's given to us is to glorify him, to bring him pleasure and glory in the heavens. Now, our catechism gets at this by saying it like this in question and answer six. God created man in his own image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness. In true righteousness and holiness. In other words, to glorify him. To live a a righteous life for his glory. This language here of the image of God having to do with righteousness and holiness comes from Ephesians chapter 4. It comes directly from Ephesians 4, actually. There's, uh, it's a, these are verbatim quotes, these particular phrases. This is where Paul speaks of the new self. The new person. 
There's an old self, okay, that you have, an old self that has been corrupted by Adam's sin. It's been corrupted by his, his fall into sin. And we have inherited this. That corruption is, it is passed to the whole human race. That's the old self. But now there is the hope of a new self, which Paul describes like this. It has been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What are we talking about when we talk about the image and likeness of God? Paul tells us true righteousness and holiness. Uh, Again, it means other things. But at least it means that Adam and Eve at the beginning and the design for all humankind was to walk upright before God. To give him glory and praise that is due his name as the great creator of all the world and all the universe. To do things with with a justice with, with, with righteousness and with sanctity, that all our actions and words and thoughts were to be holy in God's sight. To be created in the image and likeness of God, um, we, we understand what this means even at the beginning because Paul is saying here that that is what the Holy Spirit is renewing in us. In other words, he's restoring us back to what it was supposed to be. He's recovering what was fallen. What the Holy Spirit renews in us by grace is what Adam and, he, Adam and Eve had by nature at the beginning. What the Holy Spirit renews in us by grace is what Adam and Eve had by nature at the beginning. True righteousness and holiness. Glorifying God. Just think of what that means and what it meant for Adam and Eve. They were able to enjoy open fellowship with the living God. They were able to enjoy paradise without abusing it, without using it selfishly. Now, they did use it selfishly, but they were able to to refrain from doing so. And they were able to, to use it unselfishly. They were able to use their bodies and their souls in totally innocent ways, righteously and with holiness. The deep desires that you feel when you realize, when you've come to terms with your sin and your guilt before God and your daily walk with Him, that desire that you feel to just be like done with that, done with sinning, done with offending others, done with offending the law of God, that feeling that you have testifies to the way things were at the beginning and that your soul is longing to return to that blessed state of being truly righteous and holy. It's almost like your body and your soul have like a corporate memory. Okay, we're talking kind of generally here. This is not precise theological language, okay? <laughs> don't write me up. Don't tell the classes. But it's like your body and soul remembers the way that it was and is trying to get back to it again. And so your soul and your body long to have the image of God regained, recovered, so that you would be righteous and holy again. 
And brothers and sisters, though we do have to wait for the new heavens and the new earth for that to come fully, we don't have to wait for the new heavens and new earth to experience it at all. For Jesus Christ is already renewing the image of God in you. That's Paul's point in Ephesians 4. Put off the old self and put on the new. Live for God's glory through Jesus Christ as you were designed to, in true righteousness and holiness. Lastly, this evening, we consider the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now we know that we have fallen from a very great height, and we are far from the righteousness and holiness of our first parents. We are, as question 8 says, corrupt and totally unable to do any good. And that is the state that we remain in unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. Through Adam's sin, corruption has spread to us all, to every living human being. We are born in sin, and this is why you must be born again. If you are born and conceived in sin, another birth has got to take place where this is renewed, where you, where you are redone in the image of God now, that that image might be restored. Not a natural birth, not a second natural birth, as Nicodemus mistakenly thought, but a new birth that comes down from above. Your soul must be sprinkled clean with pure water, as Ezekiel prophesied. The Spirit of God must be given to you to regenerate what is dead in sins and trespasses. And that is the unique and wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. He takes, the Holy Spirit takes what Jesus Christ has accomplished and He gives it to you. He applies it to you so that the, the, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the cleansing work of Jesus Christ now becomes Yours, and you are born again by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the application of the Holy Spirit. He brings these, these things down from heaven and gives them to you as a gift. Jesus says, truly, truly, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is a great hope for us. We have fallen very low. The world is stuck in misery and chaos. And you and I feel it all the time. We feel this all the time. The population grows. You know, we are filling the earth. But because we are all born in sin, we tend to fill it with more chaos and misery. Not the Eden that was first envisioned, but chaos. But it is not up to us to climb out of that pit it's not up to us to climb our way back to God at all. The Holy Spirit has come to you. He delivers Christ to you. He renews your nature, and therefore He recovers your ability to walk in true righteousness and holiness. Perfectly? No. No. But truly and seriously, the Holy Spirit is the gracious Spirit of the Father, he is the merciful Spirit of Christ who hovered over creation and will be faithful to recover that creation also. Amen. Let us pray.
Our gracious God, you build your church on the foundation of the doctrine of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so we pray that you would bless our congregation to grow in their teaching. Assist us in meditating with joy on your mighty acts. Enlighten our minds more and more with the light of the everlasting gospel. Kindle in our hearts a love of your truth. Nourish us with the full counsel of the word of God. Enable us to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And defend us from the sins of heresy and schism. And as we have heard the true doctrine proclaimed to us, by your great blessing, may it be preserved among us and propagated through us by our lips and our lives to the glory of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the people of God set together. Amen.